Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Slide from Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hello. And the director of the Sydney Underground Film Festival, Stefan Vipescu. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Glenn. Now, we're pretty excited. This episode is all about SUF. Uh, the festival kicks off tomorrow at the Factory Theatre and runs through till the 17th of September. It's one of my favourite festivals of the year. And, yeah, you've put together quite an amazing program this year. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we're, we're quite stoked, but we are film nerds. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we're very happy with what we're able to find around. Um, it's quite exciting. Is this festival for film nerds? A little bit and a little bit. Not as well. We do consider the general audience. So actually, and a lot of that's in the marketing. Even the most bizarre and extreme films, we try to find a mainstream marketing angle because part of it, I guess, we see it as educating. Like, you know, be adventurous. Like, you know, expand and come watch this. And some titles are really easy to do that with and some titles are not. Same with the shorts as well. So we're always thinking where is our audience at and... And sometimes our audience surprises us because sometimes we'll program something that we think no one's going to go see, but we, we're doing this because we want to. And then all of a sudden it sells out. So, And we learn we learn about our audience as well. So, yeah. yeah. It's a particularly fun festival too, particularly for an audience perspective, because with many festivals, you're all over the city, you're dropping from this venue to this venue. But here you have a really, you're in kind of one spot and it's a real communal feel. At least that's what I felt in previous years. Yeah, we had a lot of conversations last year before this radio show had become a thing. Just me and Glenn hanging out, talking about the films, and we could say, I, oh, I saw this here, I saw this here, and come together with a really nice meeting spot. Yeah, well, we kind of, um, that was a very conscious thing. We're, we're very, uh, I mean, if we have to model ourselves on something, it's like we think about South by Southwest, for example, where, um, yeah, it does create a real community vibe. So we do like those film festivals that, gets everyone to shut down for that weekend and just come to the festival and it's intense it's quick and you know you can miss it quite easily because it's only four days so yeah I i find it quite interesting how the festival is not held in a traditional film exhibition space is part of the mission to bring film to new spaces to be experimental in the way that they're shown as well as the content definitely i i mean i'm a big believer that um architecture is ideological and and so the space that you have it in will dictate um what the festival experience is so a music venue definitely suits us better um but if you if anyone's been there you see that it gets converted into a cinema Uh, i mean there's a few little drawbacks especially when subtitles are really low that's a a real problem we have to try and adjust the projector um, because there's only tiered seating in certain theaters yeah in some theaters it works well in some theaters so so we, so. Yeah, so we try and put the subtitled films in particular theatres that right, are tiered. Right. Yeah, so, um, so there are little little minor drawbacks, but that's also part of it too because um, uh, cinema going is a communal uh, event. You know, like you could be watching something and whether you've got a sweaty guy next to you or someone throwing jaffers will affect how you experience the film, so it's all part and parcel of the thing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the, the, that particular festival crowd that I don't see any other time of year. But I'm um, just mentioning, uh, Chris, what we were, were saying, talking about how we had the discussions last year. The genesis of Film Fight Club, the earliest discussions about doing the show actually took place at the festival oh, last year. Awesome. So Yeah, we, that's true. We do have that to thank you for. Oh, that's so cool. That's so <laughs> cool to know. Yeah, I, I think we've, we've put together a lot of collaborators because, yeah, people have been um, go have a beer after a movie and sit and 
plot and yeah, work out new projects and stuff. So that's fantastic to hear. Of course, and thank you for the festival. And speaking of which, you have a big opening night planned I'm particularly excited for. It's something that a lot of American audiences will be very familiar with, but Australian audiences might not be so accustomed to, but definitely definitely merits an introduction. Definitely. It's it's um uh, the found footage. They call themselves the found footage festival, but it's Joe Pickett and um, Nick Prewer. And uh, basically they scour garage sales and secondhand shops and I think they call them thrift stores over there and uh, and just get old videotapes and um, look for the weirdest sort of instructional videos or hope someone's home video or someone trying to sell some product and, and then sort of edit those little bits and then they kind of do a comedy show around it so it's um i guess um i've been thinking about this for weeks how to how to sort of explain it to people <laughs> it's like um have you ever seen ridiculousness i haven't no, no, no. oh see it's another american mtv thing it's huge over there like i mean yeah mainstream tv right um, wow but but it's like um funniest home videos but they've got three kind of comedians on there, and they and they kind of chat about the clips right. before they screen. It's, it's a really weird concept, but it's huge and it works. Like because it just adds a, another dimension, gives an a, an intertextuality to the comedy of each clip. Are you familiar with? I think it's called Everything Is Terrible on the internet. It's a thing that recontextualizes a lot of strange video ephemera and 80s found footage. It's, oh, okay. it's giving me a similar vibe sounds, to that. Sounds similar, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, I think it, it seems like it's a new movement oh, there you that's go. coming together from the masses of media that's come before us and how do we make sense of it now? Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, it's interesting that it's really quite uh, I mean, arty and philosophical what they're doing, but it's entertaining. So right. it's really, yeah, that's that's kind of amazing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this has a mystery science theatre type vibe. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes, that's another reference there that people may know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because you have a couple of sessions with them. One is the opening night, but you have a best of later a best in the program. Of, yeah, well, this is kind of part of their world tour. So they're actually doing this year. They're going all around the world, and um, yeah, and we were the ones to bring them in Australia. So we're very lucky to have them part of that. Um, yeah, so. Um, so, so we thought, well, let's not miss that opportunity. Let's do their recent volume and let's do a best of. So, um, And you can watch either or, it doesn't matter, or both, because they're all different material. And um, for the, say for the opening night, they've got like, um, he used to, one of them used to work for David Letterman. Right. Uh, I think it was Nick Pruer. Um, yeah. Um, and he um, was given access to his um, outtakes and video, old video collections. Oh dear. So, so yeah, so he's got a whole bunch. I think there's all the excerpts of Will It Float. Yeah, like <laughs> there's like Mickey Rooney and stuff, all sorts of weird stuff in there. Yeah. Awesome. And one film, you have a midnight screening of a new version of a particularly classic, classic Hollywood film. Oh yes, um, The Crazies. You mean, or you're talking about Cult Chuck of Chucky? Oh, Cult of Chucky, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's yeah, the new installation, yeah, um, yeah. That was a real coup. Um, really bizarre and interesting story around that. It was actually I was planning to have that as a closing night. And that's how long we were chasing it for. And it was actually on the launch that um, finally Universal got back to me. They called me and said, "Oh, we can, you can screen it." Um, but it was too late that everything's gone to print and so so we're like oh well, that's okay we can announce it as a midnight screening and you know uh, so yeah so and then um uh i don't know if you knew but um cult of chucky is actually free screening 
Really? Yeah, so we're... we're no way. So we're premiering <laughs> it in Australia and we're yeah. premiering as a free screening. Yeah. So please well, do... I know I'll be at that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will too. How do we get, how do we get access to that? So what you, do we do? you just go online and book tickets as per usual, but you don't pay anything. So, um, and it, it sort of became... It was a conversation and then it became a... Just basically to secure the premiere, we decided that we have to do a free screening for one legal reason or another. So we thought this would be great. I'm sure people in Sydney deserve um, a free screening every now and then at a festival, which is kind of a weird thing too as well. And then I will have to be back there quite early in the morning because you have uh, you started it last year, but you're doing an early morning one and a midnight one. It's quite a eclectic event. Yeah, the um, breakfast cereal party. Uh, sorry, the cereal party. So we're doing a breakfast cereal party and a late night cereal party. Basically, you come along and um, Kellogg's is providing free cereal for everyone. There's lots of free stuff at the festival this year, which is great. Um, uh, yeah, so lots of free sugary cereals and you just, um, yeah, watch cartoons and eat cereal, basically. Um, for So for morning, I'm assuming you'll be drunk and for late night, I'm assuming you'll be stoned. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's more the, more the adult cartoons later in the evening or... So, yeah, adult. Uh, yeah, you know, kids allowed to the late one, but um, but the breakfast one, kids are allowed. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's just um something fun. We we like film events, um, something that brings you out of your house. You know, so yeah, going somewhere to have breakfast and watching cartoons. Um, it's, yeah, it's a pretty incredible idea to bring us back to our kind of cinematic childhoods being in that space and and the the weirdness of cartoon ideas and there's cereal and breakfast and now we're reliving that <laughs> oh, i had so much fun watching inspector gadget and scooby-doo and dennis the menace last year i think it was yeah yeah <laughs> um, uh, well we got some of those coming back in different incarnations so yeah um, Com- compared to most of the entertainment we consume now cartoons that kids watch really are experimental films totally in, yeah yeah, yeah. I've, i have to watch peppa pig and some of the other right. stuff that my daughter watches but they are really kind of twisted and cool yeah yeah, yeah i agree yeah. Um, speaking of twisted and cool you have a film i find really interesting called the evil within oh, uh, yes. and the premise is one thing but the story behind it is and something else altogether yeah andrew getty um he was a uh, heir to the getty oil fortune so um he basically had a ton of money i think he spent six million dollars on this project um and he was a complete meth head <laughs> yeah so it was this weird passion project it was kind of like um Tommy Wiseau, but a, a, a different slant on Tommy Wiseau, and and he had lots of money, so um, yeah, and um, he just worked tirelessly on this thing, and he actually, I think, he died before the project uh, got finished, right, um, of an overdose, um, so it got finished. But when you watch it, it's just like so, um, oh, it's so ill-informed and politically un- incorrect. Like it's right. yeah. So, so there's this whole you just got to watch it because it's just such a bizarre experience, and you don't know. You're going, should I be laughing right now because it's really bad what's going on? And it's I guess you know. Speaking of David Lynch, it's a little bit like Tommy Wiseau meets David Lynch. Yeah. Oh wow, that's an that's that, endorsement of nothing else. That is yeah. <laughs> just to be clear, we were talking about David Lynch before this um, program started recording because I can't stop talking to anyone who'll listen about the new Twin Peaks, as may not surprise you if you listened to last week's show. So I wanted to ask, how do you feel that the Sydney Underground Film Festival is changing? Hopefully it's growing. Um, that's, it has been growing steadily over the years. Filmmakers that are submitting are far more daring. So I don't know if we've opened, like we've given filmmakers the confidence to be 
perverse or something, but mm. or, or maybe they just always were and found us. <laughs> but um, but it's definitely um, so we we're changing we're changing with our community. That's uh, that's that's definite that I've noticed over the years. Like we change with our audience, and and I mean the reality is once we don't have an audience, we don't really exist. So we're not getting funding. Definitely screening. Um, more outrageously stuff especially now with the oflc changing its regulations it's it's actually a lot easier to screen some really messed up stuff great so yeah, yeah. i mean kfc is a testament to that the reason i really well like is a strong word um <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciate um it's this sort of i guess uh lynchian kfc kind of um binds the story like characters always end up eating kfc but it's kind of these vignettes and they're really super gory and violent and no holds barred type thing like i don't know if i can say this but you know necrophilia and stuff like yeah like torture um but the, the really interesting thing it's um it's vietnamese so it has that um asian sensibility that sort of um you know uncle boon me and he recalls his past life right. sensibility to it, but it's all like so torture and extremely gentle filmmaking style compared with extremely hard sh content. Absolutely, and it takes its time, and that's that's what makes it far more disturbing. And it's really well shot, but but also it's coming out of a communist country. Right, it, it's one of the most extreme films that I've seen, and and technically, three or four years ago, this would have been banned. Are they commenting on capitalism with the use of KFC, potentially? <laughs> you could argue that if the censors try to ban it. <laughs> just have to watch it. <laughs> on the subject of films with particularly extreme content, I have to ask, even as a fan of Flying Lotus, should I watch Kuso? Oh, yeah, you definitely should. Like, it, it's, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of hype around the grossness or whatever. Um, the way I see it is is very different. Well, I'm pretty messed up, so... <laughs> um, sorry, the only way I can explain this. Have you ever seen, uh, read um, George Bataille's story of the eye? I haven't read it, no. Neither. No. Okay, so it's a, it's a really perverse, pornographic, um, short story, and he wrote it as philosophy. And I didn't really understand what that was till I read it. And when I read it, I... By the fourth or fifth page, there were so many things that have happened um, that, you you know, wherever you're sitting, you're looking around making sure people don't think you're a pervert because, yeah, um, so you become self-conscious. But by the fifth page, um, you kind of get swept up in it and it becomes, it changes your whole psyche. It, it, um, it acts upon you. It changes your tolerance levels. It changes your. It questions your ethical construction. Everything by the end, it, you're, you've entered that reality. It doesn't matter. And Kuso is like that. If you can, it's the film version of that. If you can last past three minutes without vomiting or walking out or, you know, closing your eyes or <laughs> passing, yeah, or, yeah, any of that sort of affective stuff. You enter, it's it's transcendental. You enter it into a different reality. Th that reality becomes normal, and then you start seeing other things. Yeah. And so, f for me, it was hilarious. I saw it as a comedy. I actually got ripped on by uh, Catherine, the other director, because when I wrote the thing, I wrote it as a comedy. 
And she's laughing and went to print. She's like, oh, you put it as a comedy. What are you doing? It's a, it's a drama horror thing. I'm like, no, it's not. It's hilarious. Like, right. Yeah. Um, just so, for putting you into a completely different mind state. Totally, yeah. It just changes your whole sort of psyche. So, so I, would, I would say it's transcendental. That's what I would say. Right. Yeah. That sounds really, really interesting. And that's um, a closing night film. Yeah. Wow. That's going to cause so much debate. And it's almost sold out too, by the way. Right. Got to get in there yeah. if this sounds intriguing to you. Um, there's a film that really intrigued me on the programming because it seems like a change in direction or a hint at um, for, you know, the way that the soft vision could expand. And that, for me, was Dawson City. Um, you know, strangely, that's not really a change in direction. That's, if anything, goes back to our roots. Um, right. Because um, we, uh, we definitely do a lot of experimentation, a lot of found footage stuff, and really early on, like uh, seven to 10 there was a lot of that and we still program like the experimental documentaries and um but even when we started the festival it tapped into um sydney underground as a larger thing which was the ubu filmmakers the experimental ubu guys so we actually have a history of underground here which is more of that sort of experimental um material based sort of Mm. film experimentation now so bill morrison We've screened his stuff before. We've screened Light is Calling um, and Dawson City. Um, it is kind of like just a, I mean, it can be seen as just a documentary uh, about this town and about this film medium and the town's relationship. But it's also, it's it's a lot more. It's about um, our culture of images and how we value images and archiving and the rest of it. So, um so you know, I would argue it's actually a throwback to our our beginnings. Um, and um, but there there is a longer story with Dawson City. Um, I actually shot my last two films in Dawson City. Wow! So the, the last two features, yeah. And um, when I was over there shooting, they told me the story of the film being dug up. So I knew of this, and I didn't know Bill Morrison got his hands on it. I loved Bill Morrison. So, yeah, so when we saw that Bill Morrison got his hands on it, we're like, oh, we have to screen that. So, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting to me. The reason why I saw it is a little bit of a change in direction, but I'm probably ignorant about this, the scope of what Sydney Underground Film Festival has done, is just that a lot of the stuff shown at Sydney Underground, um, I think, tends to dip into the perverse or, you know, the, the really freaky stuff, which I love. And it's great to see a platform for that where it's not judged. But it's also good, I think, interesting to see um, other forms of experimentation. Yeah. Which are uh, difficult to get screened in, in Sydney. Totally. And and I think this year we made a little bit of a conscious effort to get back to that. Because I, I think you you will see for, through the last two years programming, you kind of tended to move away from experimentation a little. And um, not in the shorts, but in the features. Um, right, yeah. Uh, uh, and in terms of material experimentation, because, of course, we always experiment with narrative and stuff. Um, but, yeah, so this was a, a conscious decision with this one, but also if you notice the workshops, mm. there's a lot of 16 mil workshops. I saw that, yeah. So, yeah, we want to get back to that sort of physical material. Um, we love that sort of stuff. And, right. And I think it's a, a nod to our, our history in Sydney um, in terms of underground. Speaking of experimentation, a film I caught last month and it premiered at the Revelation Film Festival's Watch the Sunset. Oh, yes. It's an Australian film which has one particular quirk about it, and I think there's definitely one people should go seek out. It's uh, it's amazing because it's um it's a one-take film. Now, I don't 
know to what level if, if it's a pure one take or if it's sort of like been stitched at a point you can't tell if it has been stitched anyhow so they can't it's very seamless yeah so um and it's just um it's amazing i, I guess if you had to sort of um speaking of marketing and selling films if you had to sell it it would be like russian arc meets uh, animal kingdom you know so um it's uh and for an australian film it's amazing like it's it's gritty it's well acted um I just I'm amazed by this film, and I'm amazed that only Perth and us are screening it. I'm so I'm so glad you're screening. I think this this is one. It's it shows just what we can do on yeah. a low budget. Well, totally. Yeah. When I heard about this film from Glenn, I felt like we'd I'd be seeing this as a wide Australia, you know, limited wide limited Australian release. Yeah. And then nope. What's going on? Yeah. I mean this this type of film is one of those films that um, could be pushed as you know one of our sort of uh, sort of where art intersects pop culture or, you know, um, I'm, I'm just surprised it hasn't been pushed. I'm surprised Myth hasn't screened. I'm surprised Sydney Film Festival hasn't screened it. I'm, I'm blown, because I'm blown away by this film. It's great that Suff is able to offer an alternative to the curatorial oversight that mm. and the biases that come out in, you know, the big film festivals like Sydney Film Festival or Myth. Because in America, we have institutions like Slamdance and we have a million film festivals all over the place. But the window into film culture that we receive in Sydney or Melbourne is, is very limited, even when we go to events that are specifically designed to help us escape from the limited window we have. I know. It's a, it's a really good point you're making. And um, as a filmmaker, I've felt this myself as well. And um, I mean, our, our original drive was partially that. Um, uh, it was partially because we were really bored with the stuff at other festivals, but also um, we wanted to help our community of filmmakers and whatever not. And um, yeah, it, it, and that's why these smaller festivals are more important than the big festivals to support. Um, we we got to in this country we really got to create new infrastructures because uh, filmmakers, not all filmmakers, are going to be able to get Screen Australia funding. I mean, you have to actually have a track record of three cinema. Uh, f three films at a cinema uh, scre uh, cinema screens to get funding to even be considered, so, which is ridiculous when there's no way to get screened unless you've made something before. I know. It's, so it, yeah, yeah, it's just rewarding the people who have a current record, and it's it's almost like a preventative gate. Um, it seems as though it's designed to stop new voices from emerging. Well, th that's what's invariably happening. I don't know if it's intentionally doing it that. It probably but, isn't. But I it, can't read that into. No, but the... but it, that's what it's doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's no there's no emerging. I mean, yeah, sure, you got Screen New South Wales and stuff. They're great. I, you know, I love them. But, um, but the reality is, like, you need to be making features if you're going to be a feature film director, and mm -hmm. you need to be making a couple of them before you even know what you're doing. Like, yeah. So, you know, how do you get to do that without? Because you can. I mean, he proved. Um, uh, that's Mick Gosden and um, Tristan Barr. They proved that you can make things on a small budget that are amazing, that are world-class. I mean, these types of filmmakers need to be supported. Yes, and stuff's always been fantastic for independent and emerging filmmakers. Certainly the shorts part of the program in particular has always shown people who are coming up can produce small projects and just show what they can do on a larger scale. Yeah, the shorts are some of my favourite program. Um, like, I absolutely love programming the shorts. Uh, there's some really killer stuff out there, and... Um, I think um, Australians are just really good at making short films, um, and they really got to get 
support to translate that into features. Um, we, out of all the films that we watch for our program, I think something like 70% of what's entered in is American. So 70% of, and I think we get some like between five and 800 films a, a year to look at. Wow. Yeah. And 70% of that is, is American, but our program is usually about 50 to 60% Australian because Australian films are that good. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, we really need to be supporting these short filmmakers to move to the next step. Yeah. Yes, we do. Um, another film I was very curious about is Infinity Baby. Um, this, this has uh, quite an unusual, quite a great cast, but it seems one quite out, very, very out there, even for this program. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's actually really cool. It's got Kieran Culkin in it. Um, it's super funny. It's uh, by Bob Byington. Um, and it's it's kind of like, I would say, um, the reason we responded really well to this, it's very punchy. It's very funny, very quirky, weird. It's, it's about... Um, a company that creates um, babies that are babies for forever. That's why it's called Infinity Baby. Um, I reckon they they stole it from um, Boss Baby. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I actually the thing for me is it. I think it signifies where Mumblecore has gone. Because um, if you look in there, there's a couple of people who you recognise from weird films like from Buffalo '66 or. Um, I don't know about Kieran Culkin, but um, from more independent sort of um, films. And um, and it just has this mumblecore feeling to it. And I don't know if Bob Byington was involved with the mumblecore movement at all, but um, but there's two films in here that um, uh, identify this new wave of maybe what, what, what mumblecore always wished it could be. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and Infinity Baby definitely, like, really... It's kind of like... Uh, it's still uh, imp- imp- somewhat, imp- or felt it's somewhat improvised, um, which I'm, I don't actually think it is, but it has that feeling, um, but uh, or, or a liberalness to the acting, um, but it's super punchy, super structured, um, super yeah funny, and it's got that, I guess, clerks sort of feel to it. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, now we've talked a lot about the big ticket items at the festival, but uh, we want to know: is there one that you are particularly keen on that people may miss in the program that you think they should definitely seek out over the four days of the festival? Or yeah. do you have a favourite? Um, you know what? Yes, there is one that, that's going to go under the radar. and I'm, uh, there's, al- there's always one that goes under the radar and I'm always like annoyed that because um, it, it's just so hard to um, market or whatever. Um, and that would be um, Drib, actually. Okay. Yeah, Drib. Is really interesting. It's we listed it as a docker, but I didn't know what we really should be listing it as. It's about this performance artist Amir, and he did these performances where he would walk up to bouncers and stuff with a baseball bat just to get beaten up. So it's very Harmony Corinne sort of stuff. If yeah, yeah, right. Um, now these went viral, and because they went viral, um, people were talking about it on talk shows and stuff like that. So a marketing agency in the U.S. Um, um, picked up on this and, and hired him to market their energy drink. Oh, God. And so so what you're watching is actually a recreation of his experiences, but with him acting. Right. It reminds me of um, 
Abbas Kiarostami's close-up, which was about reenacting a real event with all the people involved in the actual event playing themselves. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's, but it turns in on itself again. Right. So yeah, I don't want to give it away, but it's this thing where, and then you're left at the end going because it all falls apart spectacularly, and because he's acting in this recreation, he's a mere. He's a very Kaufman-esque character. The whole thing was that um, the whole initial viral video was staged. And that sort of comes out. And that's okay that I give that away. It doesn't ruin anything. But, um, and yeah, so this whole, the whole thing's Kaufman-esque to the point where at the end you're kind of going, you know, did this guy, Amir, as a performance artist even exist? And you go research it and you find the stuff. And, but even then you don't necessarily, you're not sure. Right. To make you're, another point of comparison, I, I'm being reminded by this description of Banksy with Exit Through the Gift Shop. Absolutely, absolutely. That's And, and this is, f- for me, the reason I respond to this is because Exit Through the Gift Shop was a, a, a monumental docu- well, yeah. documentary. I, it was the height of hyper-real narratives. It was... Um, yeah, I'm amazed by it. It was the point. It was the. It's the only documentary that you can you cannot definitively prove or not prove as to yeah. its authenticity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So this one's very similar in that, like, you just don't know where you sit in terms of its reality. So it is the festival is running from the 14th through to the 17th. How does everyone get tickets to the festival? How do we go? How do we get there? So you go to suff.com.au, suff.com.au, and um, you should be able to link through to the Factory Theatre website um, to get tickets that way. Um, yeah, and you just go in, and especially if you want your free tickets too, you, that's another one that's pretty much almost sold out. There's about 50 tickets left, I think, uh, for, for a 500 uh, ticket lot. <laughs> well, I've got mine, so please do, if you are interested, just jump on there, get your free tickets to the Cold Chucky. Stefan, uh, it's been absolutely fantastic. We will be there from the 14th through to the 17th. And I'm absolutely looking forward to the weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. Cool. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a great program. Thank you very much. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, now, we're going to be played out by... Who is playing us out now? Uh, we have Flying, Flying Lotus. Lotus. Yeah. Um, so this is from one of the films at the festival? Um, oh, this is this is music from Flying Lotus, who directed closing night film Cousseau. Yeah. It's Do the Astral Plane. Do the Astral Plane. All right. And we'll be back on Film Fuckle next week. See you at the Factory Theatre. Good night. Good night.